It's rare to find a flow in life where all needs align. Usually some needs have to be traded for others. And sometimes it's hard for me to even know what it is I really need. Talking with my friend Blaine Benitez on this episode, I think he's someone who is working to understand the ebb and flow of life, pursuing his needs and the discovery of them in an intuitive way. And there's something beyond all that too, something impractical, purely biological, and the way and for the reasons he runs. To me, Blaine is an artist of movement. To build an altar for something that others see as unproductive to shape your life around that idea or pursuit takes a lot of belief in that thing. It takes a kind of patience or endurance that is found all on your own. But the flow of motivation is a collaborative act. Blaine is inspired by his friends, the mountains he lives near, and the feeling he gets from running in them. Here he is remembering something his friend Jack Levitt said to him as he ran up Mill Creek Canyon outside of Salt Lake City. When you're running or walking or sitting in nature, you have like, you know, the purest form of stimulus completely surrounding you. And like, if you're really paying attention, then you're going to be entirely consumed by that. And like, I don't want to be somewhere nice in nature, projecting my internal conflicts onto the situation because that's not going to lead me anywhere. So running, it really does feel like an affair meditation to where you're just like, I mean, every step has nuance. Like you're, you're stepping, you're going from maybe a grove of aspens into like a really nice meadow. Say there's a moose over there or the sun's going down and you get up to a ridge line. Like it's, there's just a constant ribbon of nuance, like flowing past you. And there's so much that like, there's really no room for affair with an ED, like, stimulation I think like you know like I don't want to be imposing projecting I don't want to be doing that it did like especially not outside somewhere pretty it's like I'd rather be just entirely immersed in what is flowing in and so I think uh I think Jack was absolutely right and he really changed my life when he said that in the podcast we talk about taking it easy but taking it how the idea of running all 11,000-foot peaks in the Wasatch outside SLC came about and what it was like to do that in one push. We talk about how we both go outside every day, how Blaine runs every day, about sleeping and napping, sponsorship and priorities in life, how endurance doesn't need to be an intense thing. We talk about how a mindful, content feeling can be accessible in the next breath, the next step, and the idea that resistance takes energy and creates tension. And we talk about running beyond reason. I really enjoyed talking to Blaine and learned a lot. After having gone through and edited the podcast and listened to it two or three other times. It's pretty long and I'm not that good of an interviewer, but I think it's worth your time to listen to because of the insightful places that we go in the conversation. If you're having a hard time getting through the length of it, just treat it like an audiobook and listen to it over a week or so. More of it will probably stick with you that way anyway. In any case, thanks for listening. So you live in Salt Lake City. Yep. And you've lived there for like seven years? Or 
five years? Let's see. I moved to Orem in November of 2016. Lived, lived there for a year. Did about one year, a little less than one year of traveling again, just kind of nomad stuff in the West. And then moved moved back here so i had like a little less than a year off but that would make it yeah like in in july it'll be seven years total that i've lived here in salt lake or just 20 30 minutes south of here in orem cool yeah so you just took off again for another year like after you moved to so initially you moved there after you were like you drove around for like six months with a friend right you went up to alaska and yeah yeah um yeah me and a friend we did a that was when i was 18 so we started that trip at the beginning of 2016 it lasted about seven months and i landed in portland oregon actually and the plan was to like move there and so i was like staying with at a friend's place and I didn't really, I wasn't too excited about living there. So I didn't, I didn't last long. It was like two months. So it felt more like just an extended little vacation in Portland. And then my friend who I had traveled with, his name is Cade, was living in Orem here and was looking for a place to move into. And so I'm, I moved from Portland to Orem. Mm-hmm. and we got a little house yeah and that was a year-long lease and as soon as the lease was up um i traveled with a different friend yeah um for less than a year but it was maybe like eight months or so um with like longer downtime just in places not as like different places every day but we were staying for little stints and like random places reno uh, Portland. Uh, we stayed on on the Olympic Peninsula for a little bit, and as as well as Rainier National Park. It was like early season, like May, so there was like nobody there. We had, oh wow! Yeah, it was really nice. Um, but that that was we stopped that trip and moved to Salt Lake uh, June 2018, and then been here since. But, I see. Yeah. Two little nomadic stints that added up to probably like a year and a half in total. Um, just kind of living out of the back of my car and truck. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, so one thing that I think about, it probably didn't feel like you knew what you were doing that whole time, right? <laughs> right. No, exactly. Like whenever I think about those trips in hindsight, I just – I. Not that I don't regret them by any means, but I can think of many ways that I would have done them different and kind of gotten more bang for my buck, honestly. Um, I wasn't in touch with having, like, I didn't have, like, an intuitive sense of, like, oh, you could probably camp on this land or down this dirt road and no one's going to say anything. Like, we, were, we weren't, like, by the book, but we were pretty traditional. It's like, researching a campground and just, like, crossing your fingers hoping it works out when nowadays I know like how to do research on like where I could just drive to and like be unbothered for however long I want to be there. And totally. So yeah, I feel like, uh, but it was necessary to kind of 
be naive about it. Um, cause I think maybe the naivety, um, ended up being a better thing than knowing what I was doing and like sticking to that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I just always think too, like, I feel like the, the story people don't usually tell when they, so say you meet somebody who's done something really cool. They've like, I don't know, paddled some river that they, that no one had paddled before. They climbed some peak or they did like a run like yours or whatever, like you guys did in the Wasatch. Yeah. And you would talk to them and they like, they would never be like, yeah, like three years before this, I was wandering around and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Like that usually doesn't make it into the story. No, it doesn't. It's like, it's really like, the tip of the iceberg that you see you know you see like the fruit of of like a lot of years spent just like trial and error trial and error like yeah 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 um and just like knowing things that i know now and like having like certain stresses it would it would be like a totally different experience if i were to do the nomadic thing again i feel like it would take a lot of like shaking off of just like my current like domestic responsibilities and things like that I think I would have to navigate through a lot more of those than I did then I mean being like 18 like you don't have responsibilities at all not that I do today but I build that's something so yeah yeah you do have like kind of a job as a roast as a coffee roaster though right yeah yeah roasting coffee um really just like coffee production in general like i just work for a small company so i do all the production stuff i guess the roasting the packaging the delivering online fulfillment so that's it's part-time i work about 30 hours a week just more than i like but it it sets me up nicely for kind of low stress living yeah having something reliable yeah yeah which has been for i've been there for four years now this month marks four years which is crazy because like i'm not like i don't feel like i'm the type of guy to have a job for same job for four years but i mean here i am so it's not really my style but (laughs) (laughs) i know Yeah. yeah i can relate to that yeah um yeah, it's. I think it's cool though to like think back and look at all the different things that you had to do before you got to where you are now. And like, I think that probably came into. It's like an intuitive way of exploring the world, is what it sounds like. Just like the trial and error thing you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it feels. Uh, I feel like I've landed in a place that like is pretty sensible for like sustaining the type of lifestyle I want. I mean, like. I couldn't quite, I felt like I couldn't quite dial that in when I was on the road. I felt like I was living a little bit unsustainably and it wasn't like, you know, like the the slightest amount of like, just like baseline amenities or the slightest amount of stability, I think creates a lot more autonomy um, to do something that you like, like for me running, like if I'm able to have like a little bit of, just like domestic stability, I find that I can lean into running a lot more. Maybe that changed now. Maybe if I went on the road, I would just be able to do big stuff every day or something. But um, 
at least at least for now on a day-to-day basis i feel like having a few things um just stable helps me to uh yeah run more just generally which is nice yeah yeah i totally get that like it's it's weird being um it's weird being out there for me and my experiences where I've been, you kind of have to make a ton of decisions every day and it's, there isn't anything that's just like, Oh, I have to wake up and do this today. It's like, you have to decide what you do every single day. And it starts to become almost like a burden sometimes. Yeah, it does. It's like, yeah, it's hard to put a finger on. I, I like that it is, you're more like biologically concerned, I think, when you're on the road. Like yeah. your 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 thoughts are like, what am like, what am I eating? Like, is my shelter like, am I gonna have good shelter? Like, uh, you're just like, you know, you're resting, you're moving, you're eating, you're sleeping. It's like, it's really, it's really nice in that way because yeah. I mean, those are those are still like the what I consider like my priorities, even though I'm not like on the road like waking up outside like i i I would like to be but um yeah yeah. same um so i was um just gonna ask i guess we could just start talking about some running stuff and i was just thinking about um the wasatch run you did with jack and Uh as we talked about previously is like 161 miles, 52,900 of elevation gain in 51 mm-hmm. moving hours and yeah. uh, 85 total hours, I think you said. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so, like, I guess it would be cool to hear again, like, how you started that idea. Like, what was the, that was the, the, the run was the tip of the iceberg, you know, but like, everything mm-hmm. that came before that you you kind of had this idea randomly like a couple of months or like a year before i remember you saying yeah yeah so like maybe in the fall of 2020 uh one or two i can't remember but jack jack and i were traveling and we were he was we were in the bitter roots in montana and we did the high point there, Trapper Peak. And after that, it kind of like started this, uh, we had some really good momentum in, in terms of peak bagging and um, being like really summit oriented runners. And uh, that kind of, we got like, a, we got into stuff like Jack was hiking his dogs and and he would wear like a weighted backpack and so it was just like oh why not like yeah i'll join you on this hike we'll we'll uh just work on our strength i think that the type of running we were getting into just required us to be a little stronger and so we were like lifting weights and i was doing like local peaks with ankle weights on just like trying to run every step and and uh we also were just getting pretty inspired by looking at the peaks here and like how to do more of them like at the same time and um there's there's routes like this that exist just like east of here in the uintas people do all of the thirteen thousand foot peaks and um 
in one go, like people do it in the Lissa house down in Moab when they traverse it's in Colorado, it's it's everywhere and so it's surprising that no one in Salt Lake had suggested or done all of the eleven thousand foot peaks in the range. There's thirty six of them and the tallest one is Mount Nebo and yeah, none of them are twelve thousand feet. But yeah, thirty six of them and so just in combination of being inspired more by getting on summits than running just flat stuff and getting stronger and just what we're generally interested in anyways is kind of the alpine and and so we started playing around with the idea of um doing a human powered link up of all of the eleven thousand foot peaks but it's hard because the northernmost one is broads fork twin peaks which is here in salt lake county and the most southern one is in i think it's called san juan county mount nebo like like pretty far away it's like at least an hour drive to get down there and so we were thinking like oh do we want to run this whole thing do we want to mix it in with the bike because there's a lot of road miles getting from the provo peak clustered in mount nebo but um yeah over the course of of like a year just like the weightlifting the weighted hikes started to make sense both of us were feeling really good and efficient and comfortable in the alpine just for fun we were taking up our backpacks with like really light overnight stuff and sleeping on the summits of like pfeifferhorn or timpanogos or box elder and just getting really really familiar with like traversing at night and then sleeping just like on a mat with like a quilt um at like almost 12,000 feet. And so all of the components to do the link up um, were there. I don't think like the physical aspect of the route was ever like a concern. Like we were in the right place for that, but it was really fun to see how just thinking about the route was affecting just like my lifestyle too, completely outside of running. I was just like really conscious about, what I was eating and that I was eating enough and staying healthy and I was getting my rest and, um, and that I was, I don't know, it just kind of like gave me something to indirectly focus on. And it got me into a lot of cool mountains and like cool, um, traverses throughout the summer, just kind of leading up to that. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I, I was just thinking about it and like um I remember seeing some of those photos of you like camping without a tent on the summits and stuff like that. Yeah. And it, it yeah. must just be so crazy to be up there like during sunset and sunrise. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. Like <laughs> it's it's the best. Um it's uh it's hard to beat. That's certainly like the impetus for even doing that at all. It's just like you know, it's, it's not all that often. Like, of course you could get up early and run and see the sunrise, but something about just like rolling over and yeah, like I, yeah, I just have like, like videos and pictures that I love to like scroll back on just seeing like the sun start to crest over just like kind of the Uintas in the East. And then just slowly like this red glow just like creeps down the mountain until everything is just like glowing. I don't know. It's good. And especially the summits we were sleeping on, that's like the most concentrated kind of area of granite rock that we have here in the, in the range. And 
just granite with like the red glow of the sunset or the sunrise is is really nice and it's funny one of those days too like just as like a testament to like the contrast here in salt lake like jack and i's schedules were like not really overlapping but we both had a day where we could go up and sleep on the summit and he didn't have to work the next morning but i did but i was able to wake up on Pfeiffer Horn, jog down and drive to work on time like it's so weird uh, <laughs> but just like waking up in like the best summit here seeing a crazy sunrise and then being clocked in you know two and a half hours later two hours later yeah kind of weird yeah it's like what world am i actually living in right yeah so, um yeah. i was also curious like maybe you could tell some of the parts of the traverse that are memorable to you like from when you were running for all those hours and stuff i remember you saying that you felt like it almost like it happened to somebody else which i think is a a point that maybe we should come back to but do you have um any like memorable moments like when you first started was it really scary or was there moments of beauty or it was like yeah, totally moments of beauty throughout the whole thing. I think that I think that Jack and I both trusted our I guess fitness. So it was uh it was scary, but it like wasn't even worth thinking about because we knew we were about to be like from you know the time you start your watch and leave the first trailhead. It's like, okay man, we have a uh, four days straight of this, like like I don't even know how you it was like I've never approached something aside from like backpacking, which is like way less intense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was cause I mean, we had to move at a good pace. Like we had like, I think the first day was like 20 hours with like 15,000 vertical feet and most of it above 11,000 feet. And so it was pretty daunting and like, we didn't, we didn't really talk about it much and it wasn't even like this, like we want to like be hush hush and do this cool thing or whatever. It was more like we didn't want to jinx it. Like it was like, this is a big deal. Like we need to just like stay within ourselves. And I think both of us soon uh, realized that like going into it, like it wasn't helpful or constructive at all to like project into the next couple of days and just be like, you know, like how am I going to feel? in two days when we're traversing Timpanogos, like how am I going to feel like when we're doing a hard bike climb, like on a dirt road and like we, we had to constantly like bring, uh, bring, bring ourselves back to, to the moment because the best thing that you can do for a route like that, like for energy conservation and just like mental clarity is to like, get within yourself, get within the moment and to like ease those little tensions and anxieties, um, you know, in each moment as they come and releasing that, releasing that tension and just asking yourself, like, what can I do in this moment that is like going to like save me energy and improve my, you know, internal framework to make sure that I'm, you know, enjoying and being mindful because that's the whole point of something like that. Anyways, it's to kind of, drop yourself in a really vulnerable situation with just like an kind of an endless streamline of opportunity to release tension and to like 
engage with what's in front of you. And so I think we were just like, you know, we're going to, we're missing the point if we're not um, taking it, you know, peak by peak or like even breaking it down further to like this ascent is all, you know, it's your whole world right now. It's like, like how can you move up this ascent like efficiently and just intact and then, then you can deal with the descent and then you can, you know, breaking it down into like tiny, tiny steps, like even just this next pitch of like, oh, we have a hundred foot kicker here and then it flattens out. It's like so many times we were just reducing ourselves down until it felt like we were just like totally reduced to just like the next step. Like if you can take the next step without taking damage and with just like being efficient, then that's the best thing you can do for yourself over the course of four days. So it like, yeah, to like have a good, healthy, like sustainable, like internal environment it was like it really was like you have to like take it you know step by step or like take each breath it was like it was fun because by the end it felt like the gap between like you I normally feel a gap in my day-to-day like it takes a lot of effort to be like okay let me just like navigate this so that I can be present be mindful it takes a lot of energy But after like, you know, three or four days, like that gap is like completely non-existent. You feel like you're like a really mindful, like content feeling is like as accessible as like the next breath that you take. And so like, it's nice to spend that long um, in such a vulnerable and like physically demanding state. Um, So I think that we just try to keep all of those things in mind um, going into it, which, which ended up being to our benefit. Um, Yeah. It could have been really easy to just like get frustrated or get like irritable. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but that would have been just like, just honestly silly, just like considering we were in like peak fall, beautiful, the best ridge lines in the, in the, Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading something from you that said something like "take it easy, but take it." Oh yeah, so that's that's a that's a Terrence McKenna quote. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So he's referring to like psychedelics and whatever. I I just yeah, and I guess I meant it in that way too. But also like, yeah, I, I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a cool quote. Yeah, it translates to a lot of different context other than just taking psychedelics or something you know it was it was uh yeah yeah we were certainly taking it easy as like yeah i don't want that route to come off as like some hard physical feat like that is like kind of on the back burner it was more of just like it's possible to put yourself in that situation and take it easy yeah yeah i think that's huge i mean it also your conversation brought or your story brought to mind this this line or this story or image from Gary Snyder if you're familiar with him Jaffe Ryder yeah Jaffe Ryder and yeah yeah and who he's still alive today I think he's 93 um, Gary's still yeah, alive he's still I don't alive. know how I didn't know that that's that's really cool he's okay. still alive and he's still writing stuff wow yeah I um, I need to tap in. I thought, yeah, I thought he was dead. No, he's. That's cool. 
I always wonder if I'll know the day he dies. <laughs> you know, I'll wake up with some crazy dream. Um, I, yeah, yeah, that would make sense. I mean, he's like, <laughs> he's he's certainly he certainly has a, a wavelength. I think that has reached a lot of people. So I I wouldn't be surprised if he could feel it. Yeah, um, but he did a lot of trail maintenance and and uh, fire lookout jobs like way back before there was any kind of backpacking industry or outdoor gear industry or mm-hmm. and he just was using army surplus stuff and like logger boots and going up into the woods and blasting rocks off trails with dynamite and using pvs and mcclouds and pickaxes and all kinds of crazy tools but at one point he said on a long what do they call it like a long uh um assignment or a long hitch a long hitch. So like on a 10-day hitch, you know, they'd be out in the backcountry for 10 days straight and they'd be lugging between like 50 and 70 pounds of gear around every day and doing hard labor, moving boulders. And he said yeah. sometimes during those times he'd look down at the ground beneath his feet when he was kind of stumbling along and watch it zip by. And well, yeah. And then he felt like he could really keep going and do anything because... He was just taking literally one step at a time, just like you you were saying, which is yeah. so cool. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, there's so much to be said about, like, if you really examine, like, yourself, like, you can always take, like, another step. You can always, like, alleviate some kind of tension, whether that's physical or mental, that can, like, expand your capacity to endure a little more, which is mm-hmm. a really good feeling. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I feel like you talk a lot about endurance, um, and you have a YouTube channel, which I really like. It's just kind of like a secret YouTube channel. I feel like you're always like, don't watch it. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, it's like, I, it's so, I'm so torn because, like, I enjoy making things, uh-huh. and, like, it's fun, but I also, like, I feel like every time, like, I share it, I, like, have a little bit of me, it's just, like, it feels a little like off to share it because I start to, I just, I think I'm overthinking it. Cause it's like, if I share it, then I, I'm asking myself, like, am I just making this so that people view it? Or am I making this because I, I want to document it? Like it just had, makes me ask the hard questions. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think like the less that I like, I mean, I'm not hiding it, but like <laughs> the, the less that I, I share it, the less I have to deal with that internal conflict of just like, the hard questions i guess you know yeah i just want to i just like it helps me to like try and make sure i'm just like creating this stuff organically and not just like yeah i want i want i wanted to have quality you know i wanted to wanted to like not like mean something but to not just be something palatable you know mm-hmm. for a lot of people like it just that doesn't really do anything for me so but yeah, I enjoy I enjoy having that channel. Yeah, and it's called endurance, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought like I've I've like racked my brain like oh I can name it endurance something or something endurance. It's just like I just like it, everything like is this it nothing really ages well except like endurance for me. I think like it's just like generally speaking like endurance is like a big part of life. 
with running and outside of running just um and i think it's just like kind of encompassing for the approach that i that i i take i guess i think the the cousin of endurance in terms of words is like patience maybe oh yeah there's totally a correlation yeah yeah because yeah a lot of times like like you like whenever you train or like am familiar with the capacity to endure, like it really is just a matter of putting yourself there then, which is just patience. Like, uh, yeah, I think that a lot. It's just like endurance doesn't have to be this intense thing. It could be just like a really slow and steady, like patience uh, experience. Yeah. I think that, yeah, both those words are just so similar to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was just thinking too, um, when you go for a run, like, I think you probably went running like the day before yesterday or have you been running? You've been running pretty much every day for a while, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think this year there's been three days. I mean, since really like October, there's probably like five days or so that I've missed, but yeah, this year. This year, every day, except for, like, three. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did a little, like, two-hour something yesterday, and I'll do, I'll do probably two hours today or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just curious, like, when you head out, like, how long it kind of takes you to get into a, a groove. There's this thing I do when I run where I try to focus my eyes on a distant point. Yeah. And, like, not let them waver. And I wonder if you ever do stuff like that. I remember you saying something about mantras or. Yeah, I do have like, I do have like little cues that, that will help. Like if like, it is contextual though. Like some days it's like, it feels like all the work is done for me. And like, it could be as simple as like the, it's a warmer or like calm or there's more, I'm hearing more birds, like, like little nuances like that um, are like, the easiest way for me to kind of slip into like a little bit of a flow but sometimes yeah i do have to like bring out the big guns and, and chant, something, <laughs> chant something in my head or just like really like my friend andy he like a couple weeks ago he was just talking about how like a lot of times i'm thinking about certain muscle groups when i'm running but thinking of the diaphragm and just like my whole respiratory system is like kind of just meditating on that it uh it really helps to uh kind of get me out of my head like because after you know a minute or two of just like really conscious like diaphragm like belly breathing like then i'm i'm like all of a sudden like tapped into to to what's around me mm-hmm. um yeah i would say i would say uh depends on it also too in this in the in the winter like you get something new every day. Like I know that like Eskimo or Inuit people have like a ton of words for snow, like a ton of different words for snow. I don't know how many, but typically unless you're like a skier, you know, you're just going to say like, Oh, there's snow on the ground. But like truly, truly there is like an indefinite or infinite amount of like snow conditions. So it's like, so kind of every day too, you have to like, 
a lot of times in the winter, like I'll, I'll be on a run and like my head will be down because it's like a particularly like unstable or just soft kind of snow that like requires a lot of attention. And like, and that, that by itself, just like reading the snow in front of you and like looking at your feet, that'll like, that'll put me in a trance, like pretty quickly. And Mm -hmm. like, so so a lot of times I don't even feel like I have to do the work. I could like, I could just be examining the ground, just like looking down and like making little, like even just like subconscious, like judgment calls on like how I should be stepping on the snow. And that will get me into, you know, like a, a pretty, a flow state or just like a good headspace for, for the rest of the run. But yeah, Yeah. it really is. It's pretty dynamic. Like some days, like I said, it just comes natural because of just maybe there's something nice about the air that just like, yeah, we'll set the tone for the whole run. But yeah, yeah. I was also thinking like, um, is there certain places that you go in your mind that running helps with? Like, are there certain times where like, everybody struggles with stuff and yeah I'm just curious about that for you because I certainly like use running and meditation and tai chi so I'm curious yeah like yeah hear about that. I mean I think yeah primarily like primarily running is is like a a tool for me to navigate just internal framework just mental Health, however you want to say it um like i think primarily that's how um how i view it and how i approach it but i i also find like the best way to like alleviate tension and just like get nice relief and and mental ease is not to like i don't i almost don't like intentionally go into a certain part of my mind when i'm running i find that if i do have like a hang up like internally that uh rather than going on a run and just like thinking about that and trying to like find my way through it I feel like I just kind of uh turn myself outwards and and kind of act more fast an observer especially running in the mountains it's like there it feels a little silly to be like running on a on a nice trail and like in like a nice late winter day or something and to be like just scrolling in this inside of your head about things that you should think about it's like man if i just if i could just engage with you know the stimulation and the nuance around me then whatever it is i'm hung up on or like want to think through kind of sorts itself out or if it does if it really does need to be like addressed and thought up or like thought about like brought up in your head then I think it will just kind of organically just like present itself. And, and I think I'm in a lot better position to deal with that and to address it whenever I've been like, just been more open and observant. Uh, I think I can address those things way more effectively than if I like went out with the intention of getting through to the other side of something that I'm dealing with. Um, Yeah. But I can't really think of any like particular um, like things that that I'll like intentionally try to 
yeah to deal with yeah i was thinking um a while back i thought about this thing it's like human beings evolve uh with a lot of movement mm-hmm. you know like our bodies it was seen like the whole process that produced us like in our current state, which is maybe like 500,000 to 750,000 years old is like how long we've been around, like looking like this. Yeah. It's been like, it was because we needed to stand up and essentially, you know, there's the book born to run. It's like, because, <laughs> you know, we wanted mm-hmm. to be high above the scenery so that we could see around and, and move quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I often wonder myself, like if I don't go and do stuff outside, which I do every day now, like religiously, um, mm-hmm. whether it's walking or running or both. I just try to go outside as much as I can, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Like, yeah. basically, that's like, like <laughs> that's the most reliable thing you can do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like I'm at a natural deficit when I don't. And I think it's almost like encoded for a human being to have to move. Mm-hmm. like it, yeah. if you don't you're sort of starting at a deficit i agree and i brought up like biological needs earlier and i like i 100 percent consider running or any form of movement especially outdoor to be a biological need like i like i absolutely need it as much as i need food like i, I think if um like i don't I don't know. I don't get asked all the time, like, what's your purpose? Or like, I don't even really think about it all that much, but mm-hmm. I did. I think it was Richard Dawkins. Uh, I forget which book, but he talks about how our purpose is kind of just being in a way like slaves to evolution. <laughs> and, and, and it's just like, okay, yeah, I guess I don't like, I don't like have a purpose except to just be like evolving. And, you know, I do, I do agree with you that, just biologically we evolved to run and move. And so mm-hmm. I sort of see, you know, running as like a way to fulfill biological needs and to fulfill a purpose. It's like, you know, like it's hard to stress about other things whenever you feel like you're, you're truly like living in like accordance or so with like, you know, just the bare minimum, like the things that like would still exist as needs if everything else disappeared. You know, your your need to eat and sleep and move is still going to be there. And so I, I agree that we have like this evolutionary need to move. And I think that we get, um, you know, you're not going to get, you're not always going to get fulfillment and contentment out of it. But I think on a subconscious level, you're uh, fulfilling yourself in, in ways that you that that you need, just like on a deeper level than just pleasure or anything like that yeah i totally agree with that um i feel like it's kind of just proof for me that when i do when i go outside and stuff i feel like it changes everything for me and Mm -hmm. so yeah and it can be so simple too um that's cool um yeah i i I agree it can be simple like i get like even though I'm running like most of the time, like I get the same like 
like the potency is the same whether I'm walking or even just like sitting or running outside like I feel like I'm able to get like the same amount of depth out of all of it as long as it's just yeah moving yeah simple and I also feel like I really like the way you're commenting about um awareness and present mindedness and like the present moment um Mm -hmm. because it doesn't seem to me like you're on a conveyor belt towards like a goal like and you're not like trying to achieve like once i summit this peak at this speed or like once i go into once i do this section of this trail at that speed you know it's like Mm -hmm. you're not out there to do that it sounds like to me yeah, like, I can't lie, like, I get enjoy, enjoyment out of it, and, like, I spent a lot of years, like, denying myself of that, because, you know, it, like, it's kind of shallow, mm-hmm. but I've, like, kind of let it exist, but only as, like, a secondary or, like, just kind of a far-off thing, like, I, uh, I appreciate that, by the way, but, I, um, yeah, I feel like, as far as fitness is concerned, like, I like fitness that kind of develops collaterally by just being in the mountains and um, whatever shape or form you feel like being in them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that like, of course, like if you're trying to go out on peaks for six hours a day, you know, like, like in the summer, like I'll hit 25 hours, even up to 30 hours a week of like trail running and, and like none of it is, to obtain fitness it's all uh it's all just to enjoy myself but it is fun to get that collaterally but i think that i think that it's just way more sustainable to like let yourself do the things that you want to do and it like it also it feels silly to to go out and just to like impose a fitness agenda or like time goals like overlaying that on like a really beautiful mountain. It's just like kind of missing the point in my opinion. It's (laughs) like, it's a, it's a fun aspect to like feel fast and strong on things for sure. And to develop, to develop that skill. But I think that like to like intentionally go out and just be like my fitness agenda today is to get from here to there and back in this time. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, like maybe if I felt a little like different, that would, that would be fun. But just like I need running to be just like like healthy and sustainable. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's not realistic to to go out with like a fitness agenda or a performance agenda. It feels really like I'm shorting myself. Um, so yeah, yeah, that is kind of my approach. I feel like it's also sort of a dis dis uh this uh dissolution or like uh a letting go of a strong like egotistical view by -hmm. saying like i'm not doing this to say i achieved something Mm -hmm. as much and you said that yeah you do that sometimes because it's fun but and i don't know i i think that it's really interesting to note like the cultural influences on the sports that exist in this country. Um, yeah. And, or at least the cultural influences I've seen are often like 
what you see at the top of the heap are always these people that almost well let's just say i met an olympic mountain biker in missoula once named sam schultz he's a really good guy and i was telling him about some people i know who like do some pretty extreme biking stuff like really long trips or really fast trips or whatever kind of turning bike touring into a race which now it somehow became like bike touring became races you know yeah this is that's fine i'm like i guess i'm i'm happy people are getting stoked to do that but um and i i talked to him about stuff like this and i was like you know i'm kind of a slogger and i'm not that fast he's like he's like dude and this is coming from like an olympic level mountain biker he's like there's just some people in the world that you don't want to emulate (laughs) that's great advice yeah, yeah, and and I was like, that's that's cool to hear, and yeah, and I I think that the healthy relationship, you know, like there's this Olympic skier that just won, like she's the most awarded skier ever, and that's great. Like she has her name's Michaela Schifrin, I think, and she that's great. Like, but she should not be a touchstone for like a normal person because she's not normal. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy like the the narrative that is sold is like the like you know, you want to be as close to this type of person as possible. And I think maybe it's a validation thing, like I think like it it makes it really easy for people to be like, okay, well it's like as much as I can emulate this really easy to digest narrative, like the more internal validation you'll feel about what you do and it's like I do that in other ways. I do that in that way. Sometimes it's just like, but it, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Cause when you have those moments where you step out and you're just like, why am I even like, like trying to validate myself based on like how close I'm matching this narrative of, of being fast or like competing at a high level and like being super decorated with all kinds of things, you know, it's not, it's really not realistic at all. And yeah yeah i think i think like you know if that's if that's what someone's into like that's cool but i think people who do have like the role of influence or just like the people who are creating that narrative it's Mm -hmm. like man you could really you could really be doing like everyone like a favor by addressing other parts of endurance or sports um Mm -hmm. that are just like on a day-to-day basis like a lot more accessible to people and yeah. a lot more but. yeah and also like they could tell a story about that or and then i also wonder like if those people um have some kind of relationship with themselves that's kind of like kind of tortured in some way where they're always like trying to do the next thing because they never feel like they've done enough you know or yeah i don't know I guess it's hard to say without asking them, but I guess, yeah, I just love your idea of like, and I say this myself, like, um, and like, you have to enjoy what you're doing. And I feel like if you're just pushing the bleeding edge all the time, like you have to take a look at like what you're actually spending your time doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're, it adds that that time adds up and just like if you're not if you're not being honest with yourself like it'll come back and just like probably hurt you down the line you know Mm -hmm. physically mentally whatever yeah um 
Yeah. And just like, I'm a lot more concerned with like the type of fitness or approach to running that like is going to allow me to do this for as long as possible. Like I love obviously seeing the old man. I know people here. I know a guy named Dave, he's 76 and, uh, he gets, you know, a million feet of vertical gain a year, which is like an right. arbitrary number, but he's 70, 75 last year. So I'm sure he's turned 76 by now, but there's people like that here, like a handful of them and like uh-huh. people who are in their mid to late forties who I like consistently will go on a, will go climb Mount Olympus or something. And like that to me is like the direction I'd like to head. And so like, I need to be really diligent now about mm-hmm. making sure that I'm creating like a sustainable and like healthy environment, um, mm-hmm. physically and mentally, um, so that I could do that someday because yeah, I mean, if you're not, like it's so easy to get caught up um, if you're not being mindful about your intentions and um, just like yeah. what you're going for, I guess. Yeah, get on some like track that you maybe never even wanted to be on or something. Um, yeah. But that's like, that's so cool. I mean, that reminds me of my uncle who's like 67 now, um, Dan mm-hmm. Price. Um, and for the last like 15 years he just went and surfed all winter um and first he was going to hawaii and he was he would go to hawaii and he'd buy some beater van and he'd just bring his surfboards or or find a surfboard there and just sort of travel around in the van all winter and then he started just driving to california because it was easier and um he had his own van and uh yeah i mean he would be out there you know at 4 a.m or 5 a.m or whatever when the first light hit the water and surf all day and uh yeah and he runs every day um he still backpacks long distances you know and he's been a huge inspiration for me for sure yeah i didn't realize he was 67 you said yeah well yeah i had no idea yeah yeah He's at he's I like at that's... least sixty five. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Still, that's crazy. Yeah, he does get out. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah that's the. I mean, like, it's kind of what I'm going for. You know, I'd like to be on two healthy legs. You know, at that point, <laughs> two healthy legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I feel like this. <laughs> I feel like this brings up. Um, the thing I wanted to talk about with injuries, um, uh, and like, have you ever gotten injured or dealt with stuff like that? Um, yeah. So I've been, I've been running about nine years, um, with like a little hiatus in the early, early years. I had like a year and a half where I didn't run much at all, but I was getting injured a, a decent amount, like the first year the first year, year and a half I was getting into it, I was just dealing with like really small stuff that could get annoying. Like, like my metatarsals were pretty sensitive um, from just changing into track shoes and uh, road shoes a lot. And I was getting plantar fasciitis here and there and I would just have really tight hips. And so my IT bands would kind of get tight as well. Mm -hmm. But, but luckily I'm like, that was that was like 2014 that I was dealing with that, um, 
and I haven't had an injury since then, which is like, I don't know if that's genetics or luck or if I'm doing something right unintentionally, but, um, luckily I've like not had to take any time off because of injury. Um, and I really, like, I have speculation as to why that is, but like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's it's really like hard to actually pin it down and just be like, this is why I'm durable or something but <laughs> I'm durable. And, and I, I don't know and like a lot of how I a lot of how I uh, feel about it is like it, it just like it feels like bro science like I don't have any technical understanding of like <laughs> physiology and just like anatomy like I know the major muscle groups and like I'm able to you know um, work on that but it's all like pretty intuition based I think like mm-hmm. I think I think I knew early that I since I didn't have like a in-depth knowledge of what was going on like mechanically that I needed to like develop like overcompensate with just like intuition and so I think that helped in terms of like how much I run like knowing how much volume I can um, sustain and like when I'm like tipping the pot and when I'm conserving and um I always feel like the more that I'm running, the farther from injury that I am. And like so far that theory is held up and um, yeah. And I, I also don't even like, I want to say it's just kind of luck and genetics, but I do like, like on a daily basis, I'm like lifting weights and like about twice a week, I'll lift them like harder than normal, but every day I'm doing some kind of maintenance and, um, trying to be really careful honestly i i have a a a guy i know his name is quint beard and he kind of one of the people i credit to like oh this person got me into running and this was a long time ago when i lived in lubbock texas still and he talks about and i mean he's like kind of he's not intentionally like a running guru but for from my perspective it's like he's 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 like who I look to as a resource for just like sustainable running. Cause he's a lot older than I am. He's late forties and just like, is a good example, but he talks about how he found kind of a range of mileage for him. He said 70 to 80 miles a week has him like in tip top shape, but also has him only making deposits into like his health and his fitness and never taking like, never withdrawing, never putting himself in too deep of a hole. He says he gets a really big bang for his buck within that, within that frame. And so like, once he taught me that or told me that, like I just started asking myself the same thing, like, okay, like how much is too much? Where can I like, where can I be? And like, it changes on a week to week basis, but it's like always checking in with myself. Like I don't want to go into like, into the well for no reason. Um, Sometimes it's good to like, tip the pot and like practice fatigue resistance and but for the most part like what what dictates my volume and how much I'm running is that intuitive feeling of like I need to back off like I feel it in my bones you know or or like I can press in a little bit because I've been eating and sleeping well or something like that I'm gonna say how many hours of sleep do you get usually a night I get at least eight which like is is the best like i like sleeping is my favorite thing in the world and so it always it always it always takes priority um i also nap a lot like any chance i get i'll nap um 
Yeah. Just oh, that's like, so awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's really like the only thing, like I think running and sleeping are like the most reliable things I can do for myself. Like, um, yeah. And sometimes I even feel like there are times when I'm like tired and I'm like, I will get more fitness or recovery out of just sleeping today than I would like doing a good hour long run or something. So like a lot of times sleep will take priority even over running. So yeah, it's kind of at the top of the uh, food chain. Yeah. Um, I honestly love to hear that. Like, like, let's see on Friday, man, I got off work at five just normally. And I was so tired from the week. I just laid down on my couch here and was listening to a book and fell asleep at like seven thirty. Uh, like I didn't even make my dinner. I had like my food out on the counter to like chop up and cook. And like, I fell asleep on the couch didn't wake up until like 2 AM. Just moved to my bed and slept until eight. So I got like 12 and a half hours just like on accident. There's it's like the best thing I could do with my time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's so cool. How about, do you do you have a good relationship with sleep? You oh yeah, like? I mean I'm not like, I guess I'm not like the deepest sleeper. Like when something's going wrong in the environment around me, I'm always the first person to wake up. Like I'm sort of yeah. highly attenuated to my surroundings. Not that I'm like hyper vigilant, but I'm just like a very sensitive person, I guess. But I yeah. definitely sleep like this winter. I was definitely sleeping between eight and 10 hours a night. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. And I just like love that it's dark, it's cold. Like you start the wood stove where I live, I live in a yurt. And so I start the wood stove and then, you know, it kind of gets, it gets warm and I go to sleep and it kind of cools down as the stove dies down. And then, then it's morning. I don't know. It's, it's a really, yeah, it's, and you know, the interesting part, so just to circle back for a second, you're talking about like how you have kind of like bro science knowledge. <laughs> um, I remember I messaged you like, I don't know, like a it must have been fall of last year. I was tree planting in Anaconda, Montana um, at the end or it's like, yeah, it's called the Anaconda mine um, in uh, outside of Butte, Montana yeah and yeah. i messaged you because i was just like you're posting some anatomy stuff and i was like what's this dude on about and and i was like do you know about this stuff And you're like i have only the pseudo knowledge and when you said that i was just like well first of all like i feel like he has pretty good knowledge about it but then secondly i was like i've been interested in this stuff for so long why am i not why don't i do more and so i sat down like while i was in between um tree planting shifts and i just started studying my brains out on that stuff um yeah and then the pathway it led me to was what i'm studying now which is eastern me medicine yeah i saw i saw you had your book open like it was a nice little book stand holding the pages open yeah yeah yeah, yeah i've been studying that for like a year now and mm -hmm. and so the interesting part is that in winter time like the natural cycle of the world is that a person should be sleeping between eight and eight and even 12 hours. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, it truly is a hibernation time of year. And then yeah. 
like as spring starts to come on i've noticed i i live in a in a tent essentially and so like i'm kind of in the elements at all the times so i always hear the wind i hear any rain or any snow coming and i hear all the birds that are outside and so many birds have started showing up suddenly and i'm hearing flowing water from the streams and and so i think that my body is sort of waking up with the landscape and i've noticed that i started kind of going to bed a little bit later now and waking up earlier and yeah and the classics also say that that's appropriate like when the spring comes around you kind of go to bed a little bit later and then you wake up earlier and i yeah it's so interesting because like winter is like storage and you're like storing up your energy and then spring and summer you're like putting it out again and then fall you're kind of going into that and then yeah i love i love the the ebb and the flow i mean it's kind of you're you're kind of like front loading like restoration on your year you know with the winter yeah and and you know if you really lean into that and kind of listen listen to your body and listen to like the natural process then yeah spring comes around and you've had you know a ton of months in a row of like treating yourself in a really restorative way and so you do you can't afford to go to bed later wake up earlier and there's just more daylight there's more things to do mm-hmm. and just like for you working on different you know farms or whatever i mean there's just more chores as the snow melts out there's Definitely. more things to, to get done it seems really natural to me so i try to lean into that yeah to that feeling for sure it's cool because I feel like it gives me a lot less to worry about. Just like you were saying, when you focus on the the super simple things of just like eating and moving and sleeping, like I don't have to worry about it as much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way to be. I like that. It's, <laughs> it, it's really easy to like find yourself on the opposite end of the spectrum. I had a question. If you... If you have a memory of like a time that you were running where it was like really tough and if you want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like think, a hard run. Yeah. I think anytime I've like dug myself into a hole like that, it's been on my own accord. Like I've done longer races, like I've done a couple, like a handful of 50 mile runs, a handful of like 60-ish mile runs or so, but none of, like, I feel like physically the hardest runs I do are, the like, the unassuming ones, like, like the ones, like, throughout my work week or something where it's, like, I really want to run, you know, 10, 12 miles today, but I have this hard eight hours of working on my legs, like, I'm tired. Like, I feel like that's when it gets, like, physically hard, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Anytime I've dug myself into an actual hole of just like exhaustion and really like squeezed every bit of energy out of myself, it's been like on my own accord and I think in a healthy way, like uh, one that I can think of in particular is on the spring equinox of last year. So almost a year ago, I guess in like one week, it it is the equinox and Mm -hmm. the last equinox I did a run where so the Bonneville Shoreline Trail here is where the Bonneville Lake Bonneville used to be up to. It's about six thousand feet. Um, at the lake when it was at its highest was it about oh, six thousand totally feet? Oh, totally full, yeah. Yeah, like the whole Great Basin 
was underwater. Um, but there's a trail here now where the shoreline used to be. And like, you can, it, you can, it technically is like 200 miles, but extremely like broken up right now. They're trying to connect the whole thing and it will be like close to 300 miles when they're done with that. But at the moment there's something coherent enough to follow. And so I was like, okay, I want to try and run just like a long run. I mapped out like 85 miles of trail. Um, just point to point. And so the spring equinox last year, I ran from City Creek Canyon here in Salt Lake City all the way down, just like took the flattest, most like direct, mostly direct route um, south. And I just tried to get as far as I could. And then a storm rolled in and I ended up stopping around 75 miles. But that one was really difficult just because it was a lot more running than I'm used to. Like usually I get reprieves and long runs of during like a steep climb, I can use an entirely different like muscular skeletal system. And, but this one was just a lot of running. And so that one got really hard, especially cause it was during this, during the thaw. So like we ran through the night, started at like 11 PM or so. Mm-hmm. And so the whole night section to sunrise was like, you're dealing with snow and then patches of ice, not a ton of mud, but as soon as the sun comes up, all of those, it just it's thawing and so first half of the day i'm dealing with winter conditions second half it's like a rain slushy like snowstorm and the ground is muddy so it was just like oh man it was a lot of different conditions it was a lot of like hard weather and it was a longer longer run it was my longest like just pure run that i've done 76 miles and that one got really hard but i was also in a in a pretty decent headspace um and was able to just like be in a nice pocket throughout the day. But I don't know. I like, I feel like I get, I'm pretty good about like setting myself up in a decent way for when I know I have a big effort coming because it's no fun to run like long. If you're not in a good headspace, you just like things just don't click. doesn't feel good. Like I've had, I've like signed, I've been like in decent shape and signed up for like 50 milers or like trail marathons. And like, just, I've dropped out of a 50 miler because it was just like hard. And I didn't have, I didn't do the diligence to like make sure I was in a good space mentally. And so like anything physical that I was dealing with just became like such a nuisance. And like, I started, I was getting irritated and like, it just, it just wasn't flowing. And like, I think those are like the harder runs that I've been on is because like, I usually, I can rely pretty heavily on like being able to ease tensions and just like work through things and reframe how I'm feeling into like something positive. But those days when it's not clicking are always the hardest runs, whether it's, whether it's five miles or 50 or 60, like if you're not able to, zoom in or out like able to like have a dynamic perspective then you just get eaten up by you know the physical aspect of running that long or just like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's hard to put a finger on one in particular though but that's typically how i feel yeah yeah it's kind of demoralizing to have those days honestly just like you think you know you question like am i even just like what am I doing? <laughs> it, it sucks. Like I don't really have the perseverance, like to to push through that. 
like if I just like kind of shut it down and try again the next day, I don't know. It's not really, it's not really worth, like, I'm not really like into like the whole suffer fest. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like I've like done long runs, you know, the Wasatch 11ers was, was long. That was like 90 miles worth of running and like 70 worth of biking Mm -hmm. or this long BS Bonneville shoreline trail run. But I don't feel like I was like having to work through like a really like suffer dense thing. Um, it's not really fun to me, honestly. Like I, I just like when it feels good and natural, and just yeah. like will spend all of my energy like making sure that I built up kind of this altar, like a, a nice stable thing for this run to sit on. But totally, yeah, yeah. That's so that's so interesting. Um, I feel like, yeah, you're probably s- smart to stop. Like, I have this problem where, like, I don't stop, and yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. like suffering either. But like, there's this one summer when I had never really bike toured, and my preparation was like riding around town with a bike, and then yeah. I loaded my bike on a train and. I sold my car because I had an issue and I bought a bike with the money and I loaded my bike on an Amtrak and I had like, I basically just used bungee straps to strap shit to my bike. You know, it was not really a real touring setup. Yeah. Anyway, I got to Spokane on this train, um, Spokane, Washington. And I was basically like, okay, well, I'm going to start riding. I'm going to ride to Sandpoint today. And I, my rule was like, I'm not going to be on any pavement because fuck riding bikes on pavement if possible. It's just no fun. There's too many cars and you don't see cool stuff. And so I just kind of like, well, I guess you probably do if you're in a cool place, but the place I was, it would have just been a dumb highway. So, yeah. And I ended up doing like over a hundred miles that first day. Um, just it added up avoiding the pavement. Y- yeah. Yeah. And, like, also, because it was a cool, like, the route that I chose was cool. But it was, like, at the end of the day, like, I couldn't walk anymore. Yeah. It was so weird to me that I, like, put myself through that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also really showed me, like, what it's like when every part of your body hurts. I never had that experience, really. Yeah. But I don't think it was very healthy. It does. It, you it, things have to align so nicely for it to be like, for that to remain in like a healthy state. Yeah. Like you have to. Yeah. Like whether whether it's mental or physical, I don't know. It's like I don't I don't like trying when it's not aligning because I don't like how that feels. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it just makes me feel like I'm like neglecting myself and neglecting a bigger picture. I think for sure part of it for me was that i had a friend who is a pilot and he has he had a little prop plane at that point like a single prop um two-seater basically Mm -hmm. um and he had flown from the rockies from the colorado rockies and he was meeting me in sandpoint and he's only going to be there for like one day and so part of the reason was like i wanted to go up in his plane (laughs) yeah and so i rode into town and he'd just flown into town and I met him at the lake, and I, like, walked into Lake um, Ponderay. And uh, 
that was a pretty amazing feeling. It was almost worth it for how good walking into that lake felt after that much pain. Yeah. Like it was I mean <laughs> Yeah. When you whenever you like dig yourself like that capacity of for, for pain, you like are equally digging that capacity for pleasure too. So yeah, coming right off of like that that deep hole walking into the lake is yeah. It's kind of like that contrast makes yeah. makes things worth it often. Yeah, it was kind of a transcendent moment. Um but yeah, I was also I was also going to ask about um like when you did the quad I think it's called the quad lock 50k race. <laughs> it's called quad rock. I was just quad rock. With the words. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seemed like you did pretty well on that one. Also, I wanted to say like I haven't run with you yet, but I thought that it was like watching the way you run in that video is really inspiring cuz um if if people are listening to this and they want to watch like a really beautiful runner, they should go and watch that video. I think it's on YouTube, right? On your It is, yeah. 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 Cuz it's like the way you flow like down the steep um trail and it's just like such a beautiful video. I think Traven was filming you for some of it and Yeah, him and him and Jack. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that that I appreciate that, by the way. Thank you. Um Sure. Yeah, that was uh it was almost a, a pretty good race. Like I like at mile like forty I was in the top five and I hadn't run I had run 50 miles of distance before, but only on my own, just like running from here to like different mountains. But in a race, that was my first time finishing a 50 miler and I was doing well, like I was in like fourth or so, like through 40 miles. And then like my, my quads were like actually cramping, like so oh. hard. And I, I just like couldn't drink or eat enough to like turn that around. So I kind of jogged it in. I don't even remember my time or place. I was like maybe eighth or ninth. Um, but I felt particularly good that day running. Um, I had, I had been running a lot with Jack and Travin and Travin's kind of like a, a guru as well, even though he doesn't try to be like, he's someone that like I try to emulate and I like take everything he says so seriously, even though he probably wouldn't want me to, but he, he has like a, a lot of like, really good cues like we were jogging the day before and he's like dude he was like throwing out all these like ways to conceptualize uh mechanics and and uh just running economy and so he was talking about he was like man if you're just like he was telling me crazy stuff like okay act he was like act like you have dragon wings like coming out of like your the middle of your back and they just like slap they just flap every time you stride and just like alleviate a little bit of like that, the force of gravity for you. And he was like, pair that with imagining that you're running uphill, even if it's downhill, use running uphill mechanics. And, uh, and like, it's, it's just little stuff like that little cues. And like, hmm. he, we have been spending a lot of time together. And, and so I felt like I was running it like with a lot more ease and relaxation than than normal and that's kind of what you have to do in a race anyways like rather than think about like okay i need to be running this fast it's like mm-hmm. how can i relax as much as possible like that's really the way to the way to approach a long race or a long run but yeah i i credit travin to that because he is like 
he's the master in my head of just someone who's the perfect example of like using gravity in a symbiotic way. Like, because I don't feel like I'm always doing that. Sometimes I feel like I'm kind of squandering like gravity in a way. And that's, he's really good at just like not doing that. He's really is good at like using gravity to his advantage. And, um, I, uh, yeah, that's, that was a fun, that was a fun race. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so cool. It was a beautiful setting too, like amongst all those pines and the boulders and sagebrush. Yeah. And... Fort Collins, Colorado is where that one is. It's like Horse Tooth Reservoir is down at the bottom. And oh. so like have you been out there? I have been. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So like the race starts near the reservoir and so even though it's a pretty dry climate, like you get you get a lot of you get a lot of like it doesn't feel as dry as it actually is because of the reservoir. And so, uh, I think just the vegetation and the mix with like kind of that almost red rock for like the actual horse tooth rock. I don't know. Yeah. It was a, it was a great course. Yeah. I loved, I loved being there. That's cool. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, and then I was going to ask, ask you about um i guess i was curious about if fear has ever like been part of your paradigm when you are running or just in life in general and how that kind of like there's this relationship with the unknown doing stuff like this and with everyday life too i mean i remember my uncle told me once like the reason why he lives the way he does does is because he's like, there's no security. He, he told me once, he's like, there's no security in life. You mm -hmm. could die tomorrow. You don't know. Yeah. But fear for me is like, I'm trying to protect myself, you know? And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that after all this training and running or I guess it really hasn't been training for you, but just sort of just running and existing and, yeah. Do you have thoughts about on the unknown and things like that? Totally. Yeah. Um, I do feel like I am held back by fear in like a lot of ways. And in some ways I recognize in some ways I don't like, um, I feel like, I feel like with running when I'm in the act of running, um, like fear is not really something I deal with because of, after all this time, like, it's like one of the one things I feel comfortable and confident doing. Um, like I know that like, like, I know that like, I'm, I'm able to like handle running. So, so running is a really good way to just like transcend fear, but I certainly experience it in all other aspects of life. Like maybe, maybe it's just like, I mean, I've, had the same job for four years like I've had like I'm stable like my living situation and everything like I have stability but like if I ever want to change what I'm doing like I get a sense of fear about that because I would have to make drastic changes and I would have to yeah like deal with unknown factors like will I be able to sustain my lifestyle? Like, will, will if I make a change, will I be able to run as much as I do now or will my time have to suffer because of it and 
Also, just internal fear. I mean, there's like, do you know Houston Smith? Uh, it's familiar, but I don't. So he's just a. Uh, he was a philosophy professor somewhere. I can't remember where, but he has a talk with Jiddu Krishnamurti and they talk about, I think like generally the talk was about authority. Um, but he talked about how there's this lineage between authority and eventually like war where it's like authority leads to fear, fear leads to like conflict and fighting and, you know, fighting in a big sense is war. So like whenever I do recognize authority or fear internally i just like i know that that is always going to lead to like some you know war whether that's internally or like with the outside world and and uh after i listened to that talk i felt like i had at least more awareness of fear in my life and um was like a little more equipped to deal with it but um yeah, just in a general sense, I feel like it's like not just like one static thing looming at all times. Like I think it changes shape day to day. And it's just like one day I'm scared of something that like the next just like, I mean, like the future. I mean, if I like sit down and just like objectively think about like the future and like the energy that it's going to take to sustain myself and like how that's going to look like it's it's like it's just it's extremely frightening. I just want to like look at old people and just be like does it get easier? Like, does it get like, 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 is it worth it kind of thing? And like, um, so I think like a good way to combat or counterbalance fear is just like, you know, like I said earlier, like zooming in, like there's always ways to alleviate fear and alleviate your dependency on fear, like within the moment that you have, like you can always, just take some deep breaths. You could always like go for a walk. You could always like do something slightly productive or sleep or like something is, is immediately available to you at all times to like address fear and like not be crippled by it. So whenever I'm like in in a decently conscious mood, like I can, I can like approach it in that way. But I mean, there are like, as a, like as a human, like I just like am defeated by it often and just like have to have kind of trust in, in the habits that I formed or like in, in myself to like eventually, you know, um, come back around and, and deal with it. Yeah. But yeah. It's hard really. to get specific, I guess. Trust. I just, I just, yeah. 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 Trust. I mean, I feel like, I feel like fear of the future is probably like the biggest way that I experience fear. So I just don't know what I'm going to be up to. And so like, Mm -hmm. I know that it doesn't matter where I'll end up if I can develop habits and ways to take care of myself biologically now, like if I'm valuing what I eat, valuing how I sleep and how I rest and how I move, then I think I'll be able to deal with anything. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and just uh, because I'll have that trust that over the years have like created like a, like a sense of stability um, just with like how I take care of myself. And I think that's probably the best way to like set yourself up for dealing with fear. <laughs> yeah. Something that you can rely on. 
Yeah. Like if I, yeah, something you can rely on. Like if I am able to shape my life in a way that like feels fulfilling and like, um, is sustainable, um, based on, I keep bringing this up, but like what I'm eating, like how I'm sleeping and, and running, then, then, uh, you can, you can have that at any time. And like, it's something that you're always going to have to like do is feed yourself and, and sleep. So if you can develop a good relationship with that, then you have that in any context. And, um, if that's all you've like, in a way trained yourself to rely on and like look to for stability or for just contentment, then it's something that you can always lean into, um, when you are feeling overwhelmed or unstable or whatever. Yeah, totally. I feel like there's immense power in doing something every day. Too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't have a lot that I rely on. Like I don't have a community where I live and I don't have any friends and, but just by going walking every morning or moving every morning, running every morning, like I've been doing, it's like, that's the place I can go where I feel like I can get my thoughts out. Cause I want to talk to people usually like I, I, I like yeah. talking to people about stuff, but when I don't have that, which I haven't had very much for like years now, actually, <laughs> I like have to find a different strategy, which for me, I guess involves doing something every day where I go and move basically. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, it's interesting you also say that you're you have a fear of the future and that your situation is going to change and that you won't be able to do something in the way that you're doing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious about that. Is that because you know one day you're like going to be done with roasting coffee and you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's I I like know on like many levels that like my job is like not that important to me in that like I only have a finite amount of energy that I can put towards it. Yeah. And, and just like knowing myself too, like I'm like liable to make like an impulsive decision and like quit my job. Like (laughs) even though I haven't in a long time, like done something like that, like it's still like something that like I'm liable to do. And so I just like, I'm not like banking on myself to have like, a breakdown or some like really drastic decision thing. But like, I think that just is it. I think that may just be one of the anxieties that comes with like trying to live in a big city or like trying to live in a place. Like it's like, you know, yeah. uh, Like, like I don't have anyone or anything relying on me. Like the most like locked in thing that I have in my life is like my lease. And so Mm -hmm. like, it's okay if I do do that, but I think just the awareness that like I, I I only have so much to give to to that job. Like eventually, I'm going to like make a change, mm-hmm. or you know, if I ever feel the need to move, or if I ever want to like travel more. Like I just like am trying to like totally. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Like something that I thought is that you know it's weird this this uh this little newsletter podcast thing that i'm doing that we're talking on right now it's like it's weird because 
more and more people keep subscribing to it. And it's not like, oh, I got 10 subscribers. It's like I get one subscriber and then like two days later I get somebody else. I don't know who these people are, where they're coming from. But yeah. like I've started to ask once in a while, I ask for donations and people have like signed up and it's not paying my rent, but it's like, it's in other words, it's crazy because I've, I've worked like so little this winter and somehow things have just sort of worked out yeah which is so weird because i mean my rent is my rent is 150 dollars a month yeah um so (laughs) (laughs) for things to work out like doesn't require that much (laughs) yeah um but you know that's that's an insane amount of rent um i did have to buy, buy firewood this fall which was a little costly but yeah um yeah, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, like, I have that kind of thought, too. Like, how long am I just going to continue, like, doing these kind of odd jobs? And, like, do I need to get a career? Or, you know, yeah. I, I just got a vasectomy a couple months ago, though. So I'm, like, not having kids. So that's a big difference for me. Yeah. Um, And so, like, I don't know. It's It's... It's definitely, yeah, I definitely get that. But, you know, the universe, like, has a, I feel like the universe has a sense of humor almost. And it's, like, it messes with you. Yeah. <laughs> if you can say that. Like, I feel like things come No, I, I, I think so. Like, you, you know, you like, you're rubbing your hands together. You're like, okay, I think I finally am at a place that is sustainable that I can do. I have stability. And then like some, like the next thing comes along, you know, mm-hmm. and like, you have to just, you have to readjust again. And then, yeah, I feel like that's constantly happening. I don't know yeah. if it's karmic or whatever it is. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's just like, I should, I, I shouldn't be so anxious about the future. Like it's fine, but I just like, I think I know that it's like taking like my current situation. It takes like, basically I'm trying to get away with working the least amount of possible. Right. And so that, that like, same here. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's just like, like last year, last year I did the math on like how many hours I spent running. And then I looked at my W2 at the end of the year for work and like up until October, I was like, they were like kind of back and forth, how many hours I had worked and how many hours I had run. But then I kind of tapered off volume for the rest of the year, just took it easy. And then I was working more. So I ended up working like a hundred more hours or so than I ended up running. But that's always like the balance is like, mm-hmm. so that's where, I'm at, that's where I'm at now. It's like, how can I work? the least amount and still get away with it. And so it takes like every, every ounce of energy to like, make sure I'm meal prepping to make sure I'm like budgeting kind of tightly and like making sure that like, I don't know, I'm just like running a tight ship and it takes a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And I just know that like some kind of blip would, would really throw things off. And so like, Mm -hmm. I think I have like just slight fear of that, but yeah, but also like, it's it's like nothing bad can really happen. I mean, things bad things can't happen, but it's like I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't have to. I don't have to harp on that. 
Well, it's, it's interesting to me because it's like if I mean, you're cl- clearly a person who's sort of made to run as far as I can tell. Like when I watch you run, it's just like it's crazy. You're like, uh, you sort of just float along. I don't always feel that way, so <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I'm not, tr- yeah, I'm not trying to make you feel awkward, but no, I, I know, I know. I'm curious, like, I'm curious, like, there's no, like, you're always going to have access to movement, you know? Uh-huh. Like, if you do, you're doing the things that you need to do to, to do that. And so I feel like if you have to, it sounds like a, a battle of priorities. Like, you're saying, like, if I'm not moving in this way this much, then I'm kind of, like, giving up on myself or I'm giving up on this thing that's so important to me. Is that something yeah i think that's that's better than i could have said it yeah and like yeah that shines a light on a feeling that i haven't been able to express it's uh because like the fear is not that like i'm going to be like homeless or or like lose stuff or like i'm not really attached to that kind of thing the the fear is like the fear is that like i'll have to like turn over my energies to upkeep of other things like really things that I don't care about at all things that aren't biological needs I I, like I'm I'm like afraid of like giving the majority of my energy to those things and not to something that like I feel like I'm almost like made for or just like and like I don't know like I feel like almost like yeah like purpose to to run as -hmm. much as possible I don't know that that may be like a little bit of like an escapist thing or something, but like it, yeah. I think the fear is like that I would have to give over the majority of my energy to something that I just like don't find fulfilling or care about at all. Um, yeah, yeah, and maybe like some like almost like alienation or comes with that, like not like there's that. Uh, I think it's Alan Watts who said it, but he's quoted saying like the cost of alien the cost of sanity is some level of alienation and it's like <laughs> it's like yeah i feel like running running keeps me sane yeah and like if i want to if i want to like keep running and stay like sane then like it's going to cost some level of alienation and for that at the moment is like the really just like traditional world which is like extremely accessible in salt lake it's really easy to just like do normal things i don't know like really a lot of it's all fulfilling i guess like it can be but it's kind of like a lot of things can distract me from like yeah that feeling i have of just like being destined to run or whatever yeah i think it's really interesting too because well i want to say something from a book i'm reading but first i want to say that it's really interesting how i feel like you've attracted sort of like people who want to like you i don't know if i should say use you or like you kind of have you as like a representative of their their business like like district vision yeah and now norda yeah and those people are like yeah go run like we'll I don't know if they pay paid you, pay you, yeah. you know, yeah. just send you shoes. Yeah. Uh 
yeah, that's been like kind of a crazy experience for both of those things. Uh, yeah. Like, um, district vision was like a really brief experience, but yeah, I was working with them for a second and like on paper, like it seems like a good match. Like I think they, they, uh, their thing is, you know, like I can agree, like on paper, like being at the intersection of, I think they say like mindfulness and running or whatever. It's like, yeah, I feel that way too. Like I would like to be taking up space in that intersection of mindfulness and running. But I think that like we had two like polar opposite definitions of what that means. And I think, (laughs) uh, yeah. And I think that that's okay. I mean, they're like, at the least it's like, shining a light that there can be intersectionality on those things at all so i think like it's net good um what they're doing what they're up to Mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm friends with them but it wasn't a good fit as far as me like um running for them or like working with them Mm -hmm. yeah i think that i think that it made just my day-to-day a little bit harder or stressful but um now uh yeah now i'm I'm running um, for Norda. They have like a little elite team, um, which has been honestly really positive. Um, it's it's been a it's been pretty good to 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 work with them. They're like they're supporting me in a lot of ways, so it it really alleviates like like it alleviates my need to work more, um, which mm-hmm. is just like kind of like a pretty ideal relationship. Um, yeah. And I think that I've been like, um, not, du- not direct, but like, I've been like, I, I express to, to the people I talk with that, like, just like my approach and like, I feel like we're on the same page with things. So I feel like there's not like some weird expectations. I feel like they're, um, just, yeah, excited to, I think just like, give me a little bit of what I need to keep doing what I'm doing, which is really nice. So I'm having a positive experience with them right now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. They seem to make some pretty thick shoes too. Yeah. The shoes are, the shoes are thick. I, I like max cushion because I'm not too concerned about going all that fast. Like I like having a lot of cushions. So I feel good the next day and like, it's a durable shoe. I have like two pairs of uh-huh. the same color and like one of them has like a hundred miles on it and the other uh-huh. has 700 or so. And like, uh-huh. I have to, I, I honestly have to check the tag to like know which one, which one is which. Yeah. Which is like, that's cool too. Like what they're doing in terms of shoe technology is really working and yeah. And it's like cool to experience that firsthand. That's, that's cool. You know, I don't know. I don't know anything about this stuff. I just sort of like, as far as like equipment and like strategy yeah. of running, like I'm just such a, um, such like a hatchling. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's nice to be that way. It's like no reason to complicate it. Um, yeah. Y- yeah. I just kind of yeah. like slap on the shoes I've got. And, but I think yeah. that that thought about cushioning is really smart and, Honestly, didn't know that. I didn't. <laughs> like, I see yeah. Hoka's, and I'm just like, I. I mean, I am so disconnected from the world that you're sort of around. I don't know if you. I wouldn't say maybe you're in it, but you're sort of on the periphery. Yeah. Like, I'm so far from like talking to people about running. So when I see yeah. Hoka's, I'm just like, 
like what the fuck is going on like i don't understand why yeah. they're that way but now yeah. it makes sense it's because it's it's about keeping your your body in better condition basically i, I think that's the way i frame it like mm-hmm. i like yeah just in a practical sense like trying to run a lot of volume it's like over time a shoe with extra cushion is going to um help you you know help Mm -hmm. your help your bones feel better help your muscles feel better and um i think that i think there's a time though for like low profile shoes and like even like barefoot running like i think yeah like i i haven't done this in a while because it's been covered in snow but i like to like jog down to the track over here and Mm -hmm. run on the turf just barefoot just for my run or for or at sugar house park or something um just find a patch of grass that i can do loops on like i think that like there is a disconnect if you're only doing max cushion shoes and you've never developed like a natural gait or just like yeah yeah so there's a time for both yeah totally i love running barefoot it's so different it's like i feel it and i try to do it in grass and stuff i'm not really Uh i don't like toughen my feet up and go that extreme but yeah sometimes i run in sandals like little thin ones you know yeah i I like like lunas or bedrocks yeah exactly bedrock Yeah. yeah yeah i have a pair of lunas that like i'll run in in the desert or something it's really fun on like sand and like yeah yeah. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Oh no, no, no. It's just so interesting like how much it engages my lower legs. I've noticed. Yeah. 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 It's like it, it exposes me in a lot of ways. Like when I run in like sandals or barefoot, it's like, oh my timing is a little off because I'm like so used to this amount of cushion here or mm-hmm. like my alignment my alignment's a little funky. Like it's a good way to like just kind of shake things out. I don't know. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you're able to like examine like your energy chain a lot, a lot better and know where it's like, Oh, I'm leaking energy here because of the way my foot is not flexed or flexed or flexed mm-hmm. at the wrong time. And so I, I love running barefoot for that reason. I feel like it's just like basic maintenance. Like it, it goes a long ways. So you're running a lot and spending time in the mountains <laughs> And you're hanging in with your friends, and you say it seems kind of escapist sometimes and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I'm reading this book called In Love with the World. In Love with the World. Yeah. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's by a guy named Mingyur Rinpoche. So Tibetan Buddhism is very like religious form of uh, Buddhism. Um, and this guy was in a monastery, just like a very brief synopsis of the background of this story. He was living in a monastery, and he's what's called a rim. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In love with the world is the book you're talking about. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll just read this passage because I think it said somewhere on this. Um, <clears throat> so he says, I had been surprised when some Westerners asked me to explain the benefit of a wandering retreat, essentially leaving behind my life. It appeared selfish to them, an idea that would never occur to a Tibetan. Why not stay around and continue to teach, um, help others become enlightened you could support efforts in bodhgaya to clean up groundwater or, or advocate for the education of of girls or boys there's so many worthwhile causes why just go off on a retreat by yourself um, people everywhere try so hard to make the world better their intentions are admirable yet they seek to change everything but themselves to make yourself a better person is to make the world a better place who develops industries that feel that fill the air with water and toxic waste? How did we humans become immune to the plight of refugees or hardened to the suffering of animals? Until we transform ourselves, we're like mobs of angry people screaming for peace. In order to move the world, we must be able to stand still in it. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it reminds me of a... A conversation I've had on a run with my my friend Finn. He was, um, I think, I was just like trying to justify the amount of time that I was spending running, um, and I like kind of arrived at like a similar feeling. I think that he's trying to explain. Like I felt like my interactions with people and the world around me were enriched. If if running could kind of take this religious center in my life, like if if it was like the cornerstone and it was in a healthy way, then all of my interactions with the people around me, and like I said, and like just the world and sensation and just reality in general, I was like having a lot more positive, constructive and like fruitful experience. Um, and yeah, like even, even just like person to person, like I feel like if I, on a, in a practical sense, if I've had my run, and it went well, or if I've had it regardless, it always goes well. Like, um, then I was like a lot more like proud and like comfortable with my interaction and just more engaged in general. Yeah. Like, um, um, and so, yeah, like not in like the sense of like a martyr, but I feel like when I go beyond reason to run and it, and like, I ask myself the question, you know, like, am I escaping or like, is this like worth my time? Like, I always think yes, because you know, going beyond reason to run, I'm at least left with 
like I'm, I feel like a better vessel That's so cool. or so just like between life and like my friends or I feel like I'm like more engaged on a deeper level, which leads to, you know, more fruitful connections, which yeah makes me feel like more love in my life and like all, all senses of the word. I, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel that. And like, it does feel guilty sometimes to just be like, Oh, I'm neglecting my social life or I'm like neglecting hanging out with a friend or like this whole laundry list of chores that I have to do at home. Like just so I can like do this 10 mile route that I've done a hundred times. Like, but yeah, like I said, I find like the engagement that comes after that with the people and things around me is just a lot like a lot more real I think I don't know how else to say it um it just seems more worthwhile to engage with things and people if I've like yeah aligned myself essentially through a run but I feel like going really deep into something too you find out it's kind of connected to everything else yeah yeah, everything translates. Like whenever I speak of like a, a a breakthrough or just like something that I experienced on my run, like it's like cool. Like that that doesn't just stay in the running world. I feel like when I'm at work or when I'm around other people, like I I like it translates all so well. Um, even if it's just the capacity to endure, like I can take that into a work setting, endure work, and be just a lot more pleasant person around my coworkers or just people I interact with um, because I've like learned how to endure through running and just, uh, yeah, there's like, I think running and like the, yeah, the intellectual world that you can kind of expand on is just like a microcosm of what's going on in all of reality and not right. just the running world. And I think that whenever, I'm just like in my day to day, like I'm constantly drawing from my running, like my bag of things I've learned from running mm -hmm. to like apply and interact through that scope. It's, it's really helpful in that way. Totally. And I think it's also safe to say that you may be affecting people's lives that you never know you have just by what you do because as i said earlier you're kind of making these posts about um physiology and anatomy and stuff and mm -hmm. that inspired me to be honest that was kind of like yeah there's been like a chain of events that led to me studying eastern asian medicine but that was kind of the tipping point because i i messaged you and i was like yeah you were just like i've just got the pseudo knowledge and i was just like no like Firstly, I think you you have you don't just have the pseudo knowledge, but secondly, like why why am I not really going into this? And so you think like running, oh, you know, you could say it's escapist, but like it certainly inspired me in many ways. And I think it's probably inspired a lot of goodness. So. I'm glad. And and I feel like more than anything, I'm just like uh kind of a middle point because of how much inspiration I draw from people around me. Like, yeah, like, I mean, Jack in particular, he will yeah. like teach me a word or teach me 
something that he learned from running and i feel like it it just like i mean yeah i feel like i just like try to mirror that you know i feel like just i'm i'm really just like an accumulation of like things that i draw from people around me so i like that it just continues on is is able to catalyze something like that for you yeah because i know that you're also having an effect on people like and so on and so forth i think that's that's cool if i could just like like position myself to like perpetuate (laughs) what 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 i what i find fulfilling and light around me then then that's like all i can ask totally yeah um there's been so many things that have come from my study of this medicine that have helped so many people already um yeah and i feel like it's it's my path definitely to be a doctor like that i'm never gonna have a license and i'm never gonna have a practice but i'm a doctor in that people come to me and i help them (laughs) it's just like it's it works that way it's really strange yeah like well, I mean, even even just when you and Anna came through town and we sat in the backyard for an hour or so, like, I was just listening to you guys. I mean, you were coming right off of Antelope Island and talking about the, the plants and their properties out there. And mm-hmm. just like, you weren't even, you weren't even like helping me in the context of the doctor or anything, but just like, I was like impacted by that interaction for sure. And it just like if anything, it was just kind of a nudge to me, just like, hey, like, pay attention, like the world's bigger than the inside of your head, you know, it's just like, <laughs> a lot. It, it, it'll, it'll, it helped me to just like, it just reminded me just like, how important the role of just observation is in the world. And, and so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing, because it's, it's affecting me. And I know the people around me and it's just always back and forth. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, yeah. And I love the thing you wrote from something Jack said to you, like on the Wasatch run or other time, other might have been <clears throat> other times when, like about afferent and afferent and, yeah. um, neurotransmitters. Yeah. I, I'm already forgetting. I think it's afferent with an A. Afferent, or the, yeah. Or, yeah, that's when neurons travel from your brain. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I'm getting it backwards. Afferent is when neurons are traveling from like your receptors to your brain. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like Jack mentioned one day we were running. I'll never forget this run. It was up in Mill Creek Canyon. And he was like, man, I feel like running is like a sort of afferent meditation. I was like, you got to explain yourself. And so, he was <laughs> saying, so he's saying like how when you're running or walking or sitting in nature, you have like, you know, the purest form of stimulus completely surrounding you. And like, if you're really paying attention, then you're going to be entirely consumed by that. And like, I don't want to be somewhere nice in nature, projecting my internal conflicts onto the situation because that's not going to lead me anywhere. So running, it really does feel like an afferent meditation to where you're just like, you were just like, I mean, every step has nuance. Like you're, you're stepping, you're going from maybe a grove of aspens into like a really nice meadow. Say there's a moose over there or the sun's going down and you get up to a ridge line. Like it's, there's just, 
a constant ribbon of nuance like flowing past you and there's so much that like there's really no room for efferent with an e like stimulation i think like you know like i don't want to be imposing projecting yeah i don't want to be doing that it did like especially not outside somewhere pretty it's like i'd rather be just entirely immersed in what is flowing in and so i think uh I think Jack was absolutely right. And he really changed my life when he said that um, because that's still how I view running to this day. It's like, okay, I'm going out. I could very easily project all of my insights out here and experience nature in that way, but it never feels that good. It'll, it, it's really, it's really like, it's really euphoric and like it makes your eyes want to roll to the back of your head kind of thing. Like whenever you are like, okay, well let the floodgates open. Then you have like, uh, a hermit thrush like there's a lot of hermit thrush birds at the top of mill creek canyon oh really so like yeah you're just like almost getting assaulted by how many how many and they have a beautiful they have a beautiful song it's like it's like their voice like reflects light or something it's insane and yeah so you're just like overwhelmed by that it's beautiful like that and you're running and just like there's no time to like dwell on the sensation either because you're already like five steps down the trail like there's new sensation to be had so mm-hmm. you're also not like you're also not like intellectually processing every sound like you're not like oh that was a hermit her, hermit thrush like let me just like think about that like it's like you're already hearing the next bird and like so you don't you're not like sitting there intellectually processing everything like turning it into something contrived it's like you only have room to like take in and let go things because there's just more and more like waiting to kind of flow in. That was, I, I, yeah, Jack taught me that. And I think that's sick. Yeah. That's so cool. It's such a beautiful description. Yeah. I like that. And like, he also taught me, um, well, there's homeostasis, which is like, and, and like I said, like, I'm full of bro science. Like, this is just my understanding of it. But, like, homeostasis is kind of, like, static. It's, like, something to be. Where, like, mm-hmm. allostasis is, like, the dynamic version of that. Mm-hmm. And, like, allostasis is the process of sort of obtaining homeostasis. But it's a dynamic process. Right. And so it's not something that you can just, like, decide. It takes, like, moment by moment it's like adjusting to a new reality. Like, 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 uh, it was really helpful. Like on the very last day of the 11 ers route that Jack and I did, I mean, obviously things were starting to get really difficult. We like finished like the 70 mile bike ride with like 6,000 feet of climbing. And we still had like the biggest peak in the entire range. We had like a five hour traverse, that we were starting as the sun was going down. So like, Oh wow. And we are, yeah. So we were like, uh, that's all I could think about in my head. I was like, all right, just meditating on the word allostasis. Like how can I adjust my internal state to just be like maintaining homeostasis? Like I need to say, I need to like release tension with like this feeling or I need to reframe this feeling to like, it's just like a million little opportunities to like, transcend almost like will present themselves whether that's in the form of like comfort in a quad muscle or whether that's like a little bit of dehydration or whether it's just like general fatigue it's like those are all instances like opportunities 
to go through the process of allostasis, which leads to homeostasis, which to me is just another word for like Zen or like presence. And uh, so it was fun when, when I learned about that word as well, because I could really visualize the process of like, say you're running and you like pick up like, Oh, this is quad pain. Like Mm -hmm. I could, I could reframe this into like a way to release tension or resistance Mm -hmm. in my leg. And just like, that's just one example, but there's like one after another that you constantly, you have to be present enough to, to recognize and deal with and like, use almost to your advantage to like create a more like resistanceless state of being i don't know but yeah yeah, i was yeah resistanceless state of being that's a really good way of putting it yeah that's uh that's that's kind of the goal i mean to just like i mean resistance takes energy like and and so does tension it's like just letting go of those like it's easy to like get upset when you recognize something you're resisting internally but also it could just be like a really good chance to transcend a little bit just like raise your vibration level i don't know yeah that's so cool and it's like um the thing that came to mind when you're talking is that about I thought I had it a long time ago, which is that balance isn't a thing. <laughs> like, yeah, balance isn't a stasis. It's like, it's allostasis. Yeah. It's allostatic, just like what you said. Yeah, totally. It's not, people say, yes. oh, I have to achieve balance. It's like, you don't achieve, bro, <laughs> you don't achieve no. it. <laughs> yeah. No. It's balance. As as you do it, that's when the universe likes to get funny. That's when you're saying, like yeah. earlier it's just like yeah you think you achieve balance and then it pulls a fast one on you and you're like but i just had it but i just had it it's like it's like i mean like the tighter you hold on to it the more it's gonna squirm you know I, you gotta let it be fluid that's true yeah yeah res- and also resistance takes energy yeah that's that's pretty profound i i i like have always been like i kind of grew up in a punk culture a lot of the people I knew in my former years were, were like, um, dumpster diving train hoppers, and cool. yeah, the whole punk culture. And so, many of them still ride freight trains like all over the U.S. Um, yeah, and uh, the whole punk culture is about resisting things. Yeah, and it is. I, I always kind of took an issue with that because they, they seemed so like gassed all the time with all the things they were angry about and and they had yeah. ways of channeling it into art and into like majorly saying fuck you to the system and like and even into theft and even into property destruction there were ways of channeling that you know that weren't very constructive um yeah but it was like pretty profound when i got space from that culture and i was sort of just like yeah that's not a good way to live actually it's pretty like draining yeah yeah it is it's just like because even if you're just like at home not thinking about it like so much of your so much of your framework is like resisting like it's like just like that's your natural state of being is to like be anti something Mm -hmm. and like I mean, that has an inverse effect too. like 
you're, you're essentially created by uh, what you're trying to avoid, you know, you're just like the inverse of it. So it's like, you're not even creating who you are, like a dynamic person, you're creating just like the inverse of what you're not, which is like a little pedantic, but it does like, it is a real thing. Yeah. And uh, so it doesn't feel good. Um, I mean, then you just have to keep up with like what you're for, what you're against, like what you're cool with, what you're not. Mm-hmm. And that also, that also is, is hard to do. I mean, it, uh, it's kind of exhausting. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I, like there's a video I watched on YouTube and it's about like the Hindu culture and it's by that same guy, Houston Smith, I, I mentioned earlier, who had the talk with Jiddu Krishnamurti. Mm-hmm. But he talks about how, like, at the core of, like, just in the video, how their thing was, like, their belief system was, like, to include everything and, like, resist nothing. And I found that to be, like, very helpful in my life. It's, like, like if I see something in, like, society or just in the world around me that I'm like, like, no, not me. Like, it's like, there's no reason to put a stance on things. Like if you, if you include everything, um, then I think you're just going to like be in a more expansive, like airy person. Like you won't be as condensed. You won't have to like spend the energy to keep up with like what you're into, what you're not into, what you like allow in your life and what you don't. It's like, it's like I I can't say what's right, wrong, you know, good, bad, whatever. And so it's like I don't feel like I can arborate that in my life, like internally, or just like having like principles to keep up with. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, totally hard, it's hard to be that way. It yeah, it really it's hard it is hard to be that way. Like it's also hard to change from being that way (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that's like that's that's the worst it's like it's such a it's such a process and it like never ends too because like every day like something will hit me just like you've been holding on to this you're like you feel tense about this and it's like Mm -hmm. there's just a never-ending list of things and it's like Mm -hmm. you could either you could either grow from that or suppress it like you have the choice and like if you're not aware of it, then you're suppressing it. And that just like, it takes up space inside of you. And it just is kind of like this benign thing. Um, Yeah. 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 There's, uh, there's so much there. And I feel like we could keep talking for hours. (laughs) I know. I know it's flowing. It's flowing good. It's like, two hours into this now um really yeah that's a big episode i know it's definitely yeah, the longest the, i've ever recorded dang yeah the vasectomy one that i listened to that was like a half hour right or so yeah, like 27 so. minutes i think yeah yeah two hours of me talking i i just like <laughs> i didn't know i had that much to say Well, I want to thank Blaine for coming on the podcast and talking to me for so long. If you want to learn more about him, check the show notes. You can also see the themes we went over and all that kind of stuff in there. And hope you get outside today. 
and have a good day. Thanks for listening.